So how do you, how do you uh, in, um, pronounce your name? Namdi. Namdi. Yeah. Namdi. How you doing, Namdi? I'm Glenn. Okay, Glenn. Okay, that's where the G's from. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Good. No, it's um. Yeah, it's, it's about ten o'clock in in the UK. We've been snowed under for the last couple of last week. Really? So, yeah. Wow. I yeah. feel sorry for you guys. <laughs> yeah. Well, we've been under house arrest, quarantine. We've been told all to stay home because of the COVID. So, it's, COVID and snow. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> Couldn't go out if you wanted to, huh? Couldn't, yeah. Well, you could to the shop and back, but uh, yeah. But um, no, it's amazing to see how the weather is like there. Um, <coughs> somehow I had the idea that you'd be, be <coughs> in New York. Ah, <laughs> uh, nah. Well, that's where I'm from, you know. But um, those New York days are... <sighs> <laughs> I can't. I tell my friends now. The only way I'm going back is for a, a, a really nice check. You know, okay. Okay. it'll be it'll be a really really nice check. That's the only way I'm going back. Other than that, I'm right here in Miami, well, or somewhere else <laughs> like this. Well, oh, I've got a coffee. Go ahead. Do your thing. Yeah. Um... <clears throat> When you cough nowadays, it's a, it's a whole different meaning to it. Yeah, no, no, it was, as I was, as I was laughing. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I'm like, I'm like this, look. Yeah. <laughs> no, definitely, as I was laughing, I just get a, a stuff back. Um, it's all good. <clears throat> I'm not even sure what happened. Yeah. I mean, oh, goodness. Work it out, work it out, bro. <laughs> is, 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 this is, um, this is, we, have we started yet or no? Okay. No, I've... <clears throat> The reason why I pre-record is because it just means that it's um, it just allows for stuff to happen. When I started off, I, I remember doing one or two live ones, and you're focused on who's watching, what they're saying, and no one was comfortable. Um, but yeah, since we've do it this way, it just um, it just allows it to to to, to, to flow, and I, I can just focus on the interview because. Um, I don't even know if you've seen any of our any of the stuff. Um, a couple know. of them I've seen, yeah. Oh, which one? Which <laughs> um, the, what's the dude? Um, I used to work with Teddy. Timmy. Uh, oh, Mucho. None. Who? Oh, Sprague. Sprague. Yeah, Sprague. Sprague. Okay. I watched that one. Um, there was another one I saw and I can't think of it. I just wanted to kind of get a, uh, you know, a, a, gr a grasp of your style <laughs> okay. of interview. Okay, you know, yeah. No, yeah, I'm not see what the show is about, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think because, you know, I'm a big music fan, um, but I'm a therapist when I'm not doing this stuff. And um, I think one of the things that happened during the, during the summer is when I needed an outlet. And so I started interviewing friends and then it moved on. And Father MC, when I had like 10 viewers. I think I've seen that. I think I've seen that. That's the one I've seen first. Yeah, and he gave me a shot, and and from there, Timmy Gatlin opened the doors, and Melvin Ryan. Nice, and then nice, nice. Been, you know, it's just been going. Big on. shout out to, big shout out to Father. <laughs> yeah, no, he's he's yeah he's yeah, and then you know I've Donnell next week, Donnell Jones, but um, but but I think you know for me, you know I was I said in the intro that there are very few groups that have bought every album. Um, you know, I was a big Teddy Riley fan, and 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 that's how I got into Heavy and the Boys is because of Teddy. So he did, you know, when I knew he did, and I think I started with the um, 
uh, when he did uh, We've Got Our Own Thing. I was like, oh, Teddy did this. And then I went back and says, oh, he did the first album. And so that's how I got into the group. And I've bought every album and stuff. But I think the show really Thank is... you. <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, no, I mean, yeah, I, I have every album. But the show is really about your journey um, because, you know, loads of people, it's like the NBA or NFL, loads of people play football, but not everyone can get on into get on to make it professional and even right. if you do you can't sustain four five albums and stuff and so yeah the journey is how you started you particularly and then in, and then we want to see through your eyes um so i know you don't, you're not in new york right now but are you also from mount vernon because that's 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 how we yeah. all know yes okay yeah we we um i mean are we starting now yeah yeah yeah, we, yeah yeah okay yeah, okay yeah, so, Yes. Um, yeah. So yes, I'm from Mount Vernon. Um, we all uh, Mount Vernon is not very big. It's a small four square miles, and um, so you know we all went to different elementary schools for the most part. But Heaven Troy went to the same elementary school. Okay. But we all kind of met up in middle school some kind of way, and then we got together in high school. Um, so yeah, I'm from Mount Vernon. Um, Troy and I were friends first. Heaven Troy were well, well, they grew up together, so they were already friends. Um, I knew Eddie because Eddie, oh, wait a minute. Eddie went to the same, um, uh, we both, okay, here it is. <laughs> Eddie and I both went to the same elementary school, um, but I didn't know Eddie like that. And because uh, he lived right around the corner from the um, elementary school I went to, Longfellow in New York, in Mount Vernon. And then Troy and uh, T-Roy and Heavy uh, went to Grimes middle, uh, Elementary School. Okay. And like I said, we all, it's so small. We had two middle schools for the whole town and one high school, one high school for the whole town. So we all ended up in the same high school. Wow. But then, yeah. but back in those days, what were you into? Oh, man. At that point, we was just hanging out, trying to, you know, uh, get girls, <laughs> playing <laughs> sports. You know, that was pretty much it. Um the way this came about was really, it was really, um, I want to say by chance. Nope, not by chance, by God. It was God's hand, all God's work, okay. right? Because um, we can plan for a bunch of stuff, but he's the ultimate planner, right? Yeah. Um, but um, the way it came about was uh, we was just in school, and um, Hev was really nice at rhyming. Ed was really good at DJing. You know, I could dance a little bit for the most part. Troy could dance a little bit for the most part. Um, but it wasn't until, you know, Andre, we put the group together that Andre said, yo, you need to have two dancers. And then have came back and said, yo, you guys are going to be my dancers. And that was pretty much how it started. It wasn't like, you know, I was sitting here, you know, watching, um, uh, fame. And I was like, I want to be a dancer or something like that. You know, it wasn't anything like that for us, for me anyway. Oh, so you weren't really into, okay. So the dancing back in those days was not. It wasn't like you weren't watching Breaking and thinking, oh, man. Mm, yeah, no, I wasn't. I really wasn't. But, you know, like, if I go to the party, they have a little circle going on. I'll get in the circle and I dance. I mean, I could dance, yeah. you know. I've won, I've won a dance contest when I was little. So I could always dance, you know. But it wasn't one of those things that was that, you know, like, I want to. this is what I want to pursue when I get older. Or I want to be a hip-hop dancer. Because also, remember... When we started, there wasn't anybody like that around. There was no groups like that yeah. around. 
you didn't have any dancers in groups. You know, we were a group. We were the, the dancers. You know, we had Heather's the front man, Eddie's the DJ, and that was the group. You know, but back then it wasn't anything that someone can see and say, "I want to be like that." Yeah. So this was all kind of created, you know, um, and and it you know it eventually you know worked for all of us for the most part. Yeah. But then were you not into the, I mean, the music yourself, like either rapping or singing or anything? I mean, yes, love music. I mean, you know, uh, in the '80s, you know, the '80s music was incredible. You know, um, I just remember the summer times and um, like the music that was out in the summer times and how it felt. And um, but again, it wasn't like that was the one thing that I wanted to do. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like some people, you know, grow up and say I want to play football. I want to yeah. play basketball. I just knew coming from school one day that I was going to have to work for the rest of the day, for the rest of my life, <laughs> every day. That's all, I, that's all I knew, you know. I was on my way home from school or going to school. It was like, I was going to school and I was like, dang, I'm going to have to work, get up and do this work every day for the rest of my life. This is what it's going to be like, you know. But it wasn't, you know, like I said, I could dance. Um, and and we, would, we would dance at parties and stuff like that. Uh, we were hanging out in the park. We would dance in the park and basically freestyling, you know. Um, but it wasn't anything that that I aspired to be, you know. Yeah. It was something that came about, and thank God we were good enough, to, good to be, you know, able to maintain a career, or to, to well, have a career. Well, was Troy also? I mean, could, did you guys ever do any sort of synchronized dancing for the? For- no, 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 not even before. The first, the first secret, the first dance we ever did was Big Stuff. That was the first thing we ever put together was Mr. Big Stuff. And we did that in the basement of our house on Hillside. So we lived on, um, so we lived on Hillside. Uh, Pete Rock lived, what, four houses down, three, four houses down. Have lived about seven, eight houses down. Wow. And we created the routines for most of the beginning stuff right there in our basement, like in a little, what, five by five area space, <laughs> you know? Um, but that was the first time we ever, we didn't, it, again, we didn't see or know how to put anything together from someone to teach us or someone to tell us what we were doing, what we we're doing right or what we were doing wrong. We just put it together and, um, you know, that was uh, how we did Uptown's Kicking It. The little routine we had. matter of fact we might have did uptown's kicking its routine right there at the video set okay but uh um but big stuff mr big stuff we definitely created that in the basement um and we rehearsed that for you know a couple weeks um and and just put it together piece by piece by piece we're gonna do three of these we're gonna do two of these then we're gonna do one of these and that's kind of like how we put it together that was the beginning of it and and again there was no template for us there was no there was no youtube channel we can go to there wasn't anybody that we could kind of look to and see and say how do you do this you know but i'm curious though because and i'd always thought about because heavy d and the boys so andre's vision was you have the front man who who does the rap and you had adf sort of putting the music together and he wanted you did did you buy into that did you think you know how long would that last did you just think i wanted to get more involved in the musical you were just like yeah this is so 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 yes, I was just like um this is the group. This is what it is. This is our role. This is his role. This is Eddie's role. But but it kind of it took a it took a turn, not a turn, but 
again, there was no one near to show us the map, the map to this. There was no template for this. So one day Andre goes, hey, you know what? We got to do a photo shoot. Here's $400. Go get some clothes. Right? I'm like, $400? What the hell am I going to do with $400? You know? Well, that's too much. I get too little. It was too little. You actually okay. was $400, right? <laughs> so, but what we did, um, he gave me the $400. So I went out and I, I went and bought some stuff for us. Um, I went to get to uh, Buddies. That was this place. They had this two places called Chambers and Buddies, I think. And that's where I got heavy clothes from Buddies. And it was a big man shop. Okay. It was a big man shop. So I got have stuff from there. I, I probably got our stuff from Macy's, but I spent the $400 and I got, that was, so that was, that was my other responsibility, I want to say. Um, and what you would call it today is branding, imaging, and stuff like that. Like, I didn't know, there wasn't no, there weren't any stylists back then for hip hop artists. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. there wasn't anything like that. So here, here I am just like, like, I love clothes. I love fashion. Um, and I would go out and find stuff for us. And when you see any, just about, I would say about 95% of the stuff that you've ever seen us in is stuff that I either had made, I have a board or design or whatever myself, like, but back then there was, there wasn't anybody like that. There weren't nobody styling in groups, you know, groups kind of put their stuff together. And, um, so I would like to say, you know, that, that was my other role in the group other than dancing and choreography. Okay. Did, did you give yeah. Andre back any change? <laughs> Hell no. Every time he gave me some money. And, and that, was, that, was just the first, that was just the first thing. So then you had the video and then you had a, a, another photo shoot. And, you know, eventually the, the budget got a little bit bigger and expanded. And, you know, I want to say that the group was organically us and who we were as young men, four young men from Mount Vernon, which is a suburb of, of um, Westchester County of New York. Um, so you got the Bronx here and Mount Vernon's right here. You can literally cross the street right to Mount Vernon okay. to the Bronx. Um, and, you know, so we, we, had our, we had our grasp of, you know, hip hop and everything and how it was starting, but no one was really at that time, if we move up a little further, um, was dressing up. So it was, um, I want to say it was 1989 and it was the Soul Train Music Awards. So I had money, I had to go shopping for us and I'm shopping, I'm going all through the city, all through the city. And then we ended up on, um, I think Fordham Road and I was like, wait a minute, you know, we're going to an award show. Shouldn't we be dressed up? Like, cause normally our stuff is sweatsuits, Nikes and, and sweatsuits and stuff like that. Um, but it's like, shouldn't we be dressed up? So I went and I got us some suits. I got us some canes. I got us derbies. I got us shades. Right. And that was completely different from anything you had seen from a hip hop group at that point, like you didn't really see that much. I think Andre, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, they, they dressed up a little bit, yeah, uh, yeah. but never from a group like, like at our time. It was, everybody was in suits and stuff like that for the most part. But um, when we stepped on that stage, if it, if it, 
it was it was paparazzi back then too because <laughs> the cameras was just taking pictures and taking pictures of us and it was really i think because we really looked different we really stood out amongst all of our um other you know peers all our peers and stuff like that and that kind of solidified the group in that and that, and that uh with that image you know it was it was the same as our music our music was a hip hop r&b-ish kind of thing it wasn't really hardcore hip hop it was like the kind of hip hop that your grandmother could listen to, you know? Um, and the way we dressed and the way we looked, it all just went together and it, and it worked. It worked yeah. for us. I mean, going back slightly there, cause you, you know, one of the interesting things you said was that you came, you were going back from school thinking I'm going to have to work for the rest of my life. All of oh, a sudden yes. heavy comes back and says, I've got this deal. Do you, talk to your folks and says, guys, what do you think? Do you have to get permission or you just sign away? What's that like? Well, well, this again, this is, there's no really place you can look at and see and see where, you know, you can use somebody as an example. So our parents didn't believe in any of it, you know, has parents, they, you know, our parents are suspect uh, of all of it. Like it just, because well, it was, there was, what, you gonna rap and you gonna get money? What, you gonna dance and get money? Yeah, okay, whatever. So they didn't believe it at first. And then, um, you know, they, they said, okay, go ahead and do it. You know, go ahead and do your thing. And um, I think everybody was finished school except me. Like, Troy was, Troy was finished, Head was finished. And when I say finished, they, were, they dropped out. Okay. <laughs> okay. Eddie graduated because he's smart as hell. Of course he graduated. And his parents are teachers. So okay. he graduated. He graduated. <laughs> um, I'm going to tell you how beautiful, real quick, beautiful Miami is. I have a, a, a blue macaw right here in the tree. Oh, my goodness. Like, like in yes. Um, Rio. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. Right here in the tree. Just chilling right here. That's the noise you hear in the background. <laughs> Um, so yeah, no one really believed in it and, um, things started, you know, moving a little bit and then we got started doing shows and stuff like that. And then, you know, once you get seen in the magazine or something and it's like, oh, okay, something's happening here. They're, they're, they're really working, you know, but in the beginning, no one believed it. They didn't, they didn't, they wouldn't believe in it. And, and I guess the other thing we also see is because, because Heavy was the front person doing the raps, did, did, was the contract set up? that it was four of you as a group, almost like you were Jodeci kind of thing, or was it heavy separately and uh, what, what was it? Well, it was it was really uh, heavy and Eddie because they were the ones that got the deal and then they brought us into it. Okay. And then we had our own deal between us. Oh, within, oh, in, internally, okay. Yes. Now, at that point then, does it does it become that kind of thing where hopefully we, we don't fall out because if we do, then that's it? So, oh, uh, you know, I, nah. you personally, how did you, did you? Well, well, first of all, it's too young to even think like that. And, and we boys and we didn't really like, like, you know, it's funny you say that because that never crossed my mind like that. Like, like we were working and we were doing things together and it, it didn't seem like, it, you know, like once you enter into something negatively thinking, then it's like, yeah. well, what are you doing in the first place? You know, if you don't trust what you're doing in the first place, then why are you even doing it? You know, yeah. but that never came. I never, I never thought of it like that at the time. Never thought of it like that. And but then when it came to the first album, you know, they had Teddy, they had Marley Marl, um, Eddie making the music. Did you get involved at, at all, or what, what was when when they were just recording or doing the, the, the album? 
No, we would go to the, we would go to, we would be there in the studio and work with them or just be there in the studio support or whatever. But then when an album was finished, we would all sit down collectively and pick the songs because we did more than whatever songs that ended up on the album. So we would kind of go through all the music and say, okay, this is great. This is great. No, nah, yeah, maybe. And we would kind of, that's how we would come up with the album. There was no, Uptown didn't have an A&R that would say these are the songs we're going to pick. And Well, in the very beginning. So yeah. this is, this is the thing about, you know, Uptown. When, when I think about Uptown and, and I want to, I want to say this in the most humble way as possible that I, I want to say that we were, the foundation for Uptown. Like, um, Uptown Records started as a compilation album. And um, it was maybe six groups, I can't remember. And everybody was dope, everybody's talented. Um, but for some reason, that record, Mr. Big Stuff, took off. It really, really took off. And, you know, everybody had their projects, but our project really, really took off. And we were the first group to put out an album on Uptown. So, the work that we put out paved the way for everybody else to come after. Yeah. Um, and that's what, and, that, and that's also because you asked the question of, was it in the a and It wasn't really in the a and It was, it was uh, Andre, Jimmy, Kurt, Kim Brathway, uh, and maybe a couple other people. Um, and I can't think of their names right now. And us, you know? So, we kind of did everything. We did all of it together. And, and, and that was how we built up. And then as we did better, um, we got more people in, you know. But okay. everybody was learning from that point, okay. you know. J my man, Jimmy Love, Jay Love, you know Jimmy. Yeah. Jimmy's coming on your show, right? No, I've, I've done a two-hour interview with him. Just okay. <laughs> yeah. I love Jimmy. Jay Love is my man. But um, <laughs> we all started, we started together. Kurt Woodley, Jimmy Love, Andre. Gary was there, Kim Brathway, and somebody else, and I can't think of the name right now, and us. And that was that was pretty much it. That was Uptown. So we kind of worked together on everything for the most part in the beginning. Yeah. So at that point it was it was there was no designated A and R. It was us and you know them. <laughs> yeah. The rest of the guys. Yeah. So off the first album, what was, what was your favorite track from the first album? Oh, it's a great question. Um, so we actually did an EP first and it had, uh, Chunky But Funky, yeah. uh, some other, Mr. Big Stuff and something else and something else. But I want to say, uh, Mr. Big Stuff, because that was the one record, maybe the Overweight Lover, because the beat is nice on Overweight Lover. But, um, I don't like to say the word favorite because, uh, it, it just pinholes you into something else, you know, just one thing. But I had... If, if it was to say a fair, it'd probably be big stuff because that was the one record that started everything. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then when when you when you rap when you have a, a track like Nike, do you do you have to go out and start getting Nike for everyone? <laughs> we we that's all we wore anyway. Like well well the first video I'm sorry we had spot built on in the first video, the Mr. Big stuff. Then but after that everything else was Nike, and we actually went to Nike or they approached us. I can't remember what happened. And they started, um, they endorsed us. They supported us. They gave us some um, tour money. They gave us uh, uh, tour jackets. Wow. We got uh, boxes of sneakers every month, sweatsuits wow. and everything every month. Yeah. So you'll see a lot of stuff in early on with us with um, Nikes on and Nike sweatsuits because they were sending us stuff. 
Now, was it? Did you already have the track Nike before this happened, or did they would? Nah, we was already like like uh, I think it was because of that because they were you know they were looking to endorse us. We did it and just added it to the album. Okay, okay. Yeah, but we were already like it was like that was our thing anyway. You know, Nikes were our thing. You know, and you know it's crazy that I look back now and I see like all the hot Nikes out now, and these are all the Nikes that we were wearing back then. Oh, the retro kind of things that are doing. Yeah, now. yes, yes. You hear these guys? <laughs> it's about ten of them right now. My goodness. Yes, so I'm in Miami, Miami, Florida. <laughs> see that? Yeah. While well, yeah. we're, well, we're digging in snow here, so <laughs> the, so the the um so after the first album that does you know does you know, almost you know, 400,000 and stuff, do you go straight on tour or um or what do you guys end up doing? That's a great question. So we um. We did a lot of club dates. We did a lot of club dates. We did a bunch of club dates. And, and those were the kind of things that helped us kind of put our show together. And uh, we ended up on a few different tours. Um, one of the first tours I remember being on, we went on a Fresh Fest tour. Uh, then we went on a Wipeout tour with the Fat Boys. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, yeah. But the Fresh Fest tour was like, it was crazy because it was um, like four groups on one bus, on one, to one tour bus. And wow. people were sleeping everywhere, wow. everywhere. You only got nine bunks, nine, about nine bunks, three, six, maybe 12, nine to 12 bunks. And um, you got a big back and then you got seating up front. People were sleeping everywhere. So it was us, Salt and Pepper, <laughs> Joski Love, UTFO. Yeah, UTFO, Joski Love. And Dana Dane. Oh, goodness. Oh, oh God, yo. <laughs> All of us on one tour bus. Oh, man. Those were great times, though. Those were great times. You know? Relationships, of, you get to get on form relationships and friendships. Real relationships, yes. Like, I, I love those guys still today, you know? Um, whenever you go through something for, with someone, or, you know, in a positive or sometimes negative, there's a certain bond you create, you know? Um, I almost get, like choked up sometimes when I think about it because it was such a pure time in our career you know it was it was pretty it's pretty dope yeah and I, th I think in those early days I mean is it when the videos come out that the family start to think wow okay this is really happening or when when did they start to believe that well they did give you the blessing but when did they really think wow this is really yeah well no, they, when, they, when... they start when when um when they when you when you come home and they be like, oh here he is right here 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 speak to him talk to him that's your cousin from down south <laughs> say hi <laughs> you know now they're completely bought into it you know they're completely bought into it but um you know like so you know touring was really like us again putting in that work to 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 for Uptown because at that point in our career Uptown wasn't just Man, they were managing us, but they was also our label, but they were managing us. So this is, you know, we out on a road and we're making money and some of that money's going back to the house, you know? Um, but after maybe a year, a year that, we was like, you know what? We got, we can handle this on our own. We got this. So we didn't have a manager. We manage ourselves. Um, and again, it's us. Uh, I thought I had a do not disturb. Sorry, I apologize for that. Fine. 
I don't know. I'm sorry about that. Okay, uh, did I put you? Let me see if I can get it on this one because um, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's on. I'm sorry about that. No, no. <laughs> um, so you yeah, said so that was managed, you started to manage yourself. Yeah, we managed ourselves. Like, uh, so Uptown just was the they were just our label at that point. They were um our um just the record label, our record label, and we managed ourselves. Okay. Yeah. Now, I think Which was, the, oh, go ahead. No, I was just was, you know, it was one of those things that, you know, we kind of came in learning and then we, we learned pretty fast and we figured out what we needed to do and, and we did it, you know. Being that you guys were the first, were you able to learn the business side of things early on, you know, masters, publishing, um, copyrights, all that, all the ownership stuff and, you know, points? Yes. So again, like I said, we, we started picking up quickly, very quickly. Well, why is this? Why are we doing this? Why are we doing another promotional show? Why are we have another promotional show? Why are we going on a promotional tour? No, no, no. We're not going to do, we need to earn some money here too. Like it just can't be all about that. Like, you know, we, we started figuring things out and, and, you know, what happens is that you got a company and you got another record that you need to put out. Right. So you got a, let's say a, a guy record, maybe, I don't know, you want to make sure that it goes to, gets positioning or whatever, get played. So guys not really out like that, but let's, heavy D, the boys are out. Let's get them to do a promotional show for us so we can make sure that this record that's coming back next, that gets the play that it needs or the position that it needs. But it was a lot of that. So we, we you know, we figured things out really quickly and um, we adjusted, you know. And it's nothing to take away from, you know, anybody, but it was just, you know, us taking care of ourselves, making sure that we were taken care of, you know. After the, the success of the, of the sort of first album, especially for Uptown, and you go start working um, on, the next, on the next album, does, does, does anything change within, you know, does, it, does the, um, you know, when you're doing big time, does anything change from, okay, the approach, you know, who we're going to work with as a group, do you make that decision or is it still Heavy and Eddie doing all that stuff and, and you and Troy at the back, what happens? And well, well, that's a great question and it's a great question because um, it, things did change. So we were on a roll so much that being away from New York, you kind of lose a little bit, you know what I'm saying? You miss a step now because you're, you're away. So whatever was maybe hot before is not really hot now. And there's something coming in and up. If you're not in the midst of it, you're going to miss it. Yeah. So what happened with us was we started working with a choreographer. And I want to tell you that this was the, the, like, that moment in your career where everything switches. And you go from being mediocre to being awesome. Great. Greatness. And um, so we needed someone to help us achieve that, to get to that point or do that, because we didn't have that, that edge, that street edge, or the knowledge of the club anymore. We weren't, we weren't in the clubs like that. We were in the clubs in Texas somewhere, we're in a club in California. Like, so things is different. They already, they trying to keep up to us now, you know, yeah. what we've been doing for the last year or so. So um, we began working with Rosie Perez. Wow. And when I, wow, yeah, okay. when I, well, well, wow. Cause, but she wasn't Rosie Perez, the Rosie Perez that you know how to be now. Yeah, 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 she yeah. was just Rosie, 
you know. Now, Rosie, though, was dope. She was dope. And she was no nonsense, and she didn't take no shit. And wow. she she made us, I want to say, I like to think that she, she pulled out of us more than that we could have pulled out ourselves at that time. And she made us great. And that um, didn't have... We got thing is the example of that to me is like I was in the best fucking shape of my life. I felt great. I felt awesome doing the routines, and we not only worked on that record, we got our own thing, but we worked on preparing for tour. We worked on a, we put a whole set together, so we worked on more bounce to the ounce, uh, all the different other records from um, from that album, and we put together not just the song but a whole tour, and she was just incredible. I love her till today. I haven't seen her in years, but. You know, I love it still because that was just an awesome moment in our lives. And she she, she, she made us great, you wow. know. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's funny because I did see a video that Eddie posted um, with Rosie there. And I'm thinking, oh, how, what, what's, how, I didn't get the connection um, right. with, with, with that. Um, but, it, and, and, you know, so back when you were doing, um, when you're working with her, um, who, 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 was it Optan that brought her or who, who found her? That's a good question. I, I can't even tell you. Maybe it was Uptown. I'm not sure. I can't remember that. I just know uh, we we showed up at rehearsal one day, and there he was. <laughs> and I was like, okay. All right, this is what we're doing. And she was incredible, boy. And, and she, you know, she would work us out. Like, she would make us do a routine, and we would do the routine in front of, we'd do the routine together, then we have to do the routine by ourselves, and then we have to do the routine face the other direction, then um, we would have to do it three times without a mistake, you know, wow. and that's the only way we could move on to the next song. And then for you, know? you though, having somebody now putting you, making you a more, lot more disciplined, was it hard to adjust at first? There was no fight back or you thought, wow, this is going to take me to another level? I mean, nah, I mean, maybe, I don't know. I don't know if she would have to tell you that. Like, I, I don't think so. You know, I think that we was pretty receptive to it because we needed it, you know? We knew that we didn't have that edge anymore, you know, for, for, for I mean, we were on a roll for, we had, we put out the single, Big Stuff, then we put out the EP, then we put out the album. That took us on the roll for two years. Like, wow. it was like, we was on the roll for two years. I'm not, I can't tell you right now because my memory shot yeah. those <laughs> days back in the days. I used to drink a lot of old English, but okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. So my, my, my memory shot. But um, yeah, I think that um, it was it was just one of those things that needed to happen for the most part because we, we didn't have that same. We, we were on the road and we didn't coming back home. We didn't we were missing things. We didn't have that edge, that same yeah. connection to the street. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Because yeah, you, you guys, so when you go back into the studio to do um, big time, um, do, do you guys have more as a, okay, let's all get involved, or is it still heavy and Ed that's picking, okay, let's work with Teddy on these two tracks? No, that was that was their thing. That was their thing. That was, you know, having Eddie. That's what, that was their thing. Like, I, I didn't get involved with the music like that. I Like, my thing was um, the clothes and the dancing, you know, um, making sure that our image was uh running you know um right right alongside with the 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 music like um but it was us it was us anyway so yeah. you know it wasn't it wasn't anything to think about it was just me going out saying okay uh, okay we're gonna wear this uh, i want something like this and at this point we you know I'm, I'm having i'm working with designers i'm working with um 
tailors and seamstress to make our clothes. Um, I had a young lady named Missy, uh, uh, Nissy, Nissy, I'm sorry, Nissy from Mount Vernon. She's just like, she just got skills with sewing machines. She didn't have like, she wasn't, she wouldn't make stuff for people, but she was really doing a lot of stuff for us, you know? And um, I had a Dapper Dan making things at that time early on for us as well. Um, and then I had a, name, a guy named Keith Holman in, in California. He did a lot of stuff for Michael Jackson. He did stuff for Eddie Murphy. Like, so yeah, I was working with a lot of those guys. So we always hear the stories about how the labels would say, okay, here's the, you know, we'll spend a million on, on the video and on all this stuff, but it's going to come out of the album sales and your advances. So when you're getting all these personalized clothing, did you know that, okay, if we sell a million records, they're going to take all the money out from that. So what was it? How did you guys sort of think about what you're spending? I mean, back then the budgets were, you know, um, starting out, like I said, it was $400. That's the first money I got from Andre, $400. At this point, the budgets is getting a little bit bigger. We up in a couple thousands. Now maybe, you know, 3,000, maybe 4,000. Um, depending on what kind of shoot it was. Was it for a video? Was it for a photo shoot? Was it, you know, for album cover or something like that, single cover? Um, but it depend. It, it depends on um, what it was for. But um wasn't thinking about that. Okay. I wasn't thinking about Most artists aren't thinking about that when they're in a studio spending extra time and, you know, <laughs> wasn't really thinking about that. No, yeah. I was just, one, I wanted to make sure that we looked the best we could possibly look and that we were leading in that sense that we were leading in the sense that people wanted to go out and look like us. People wanted to dance like us. People wanted to sound like us. Like that was my main concern to make sure the group was, you know, together, you know, in that sense. And, and, and that image was strong. The image represented us well. And I guess one of the, nothing talks about that when you do the, we've got our own thing, you know, the, 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 the music, the video, the dancing. I mean, what was your, when, when the track came out and they said this is going to be the first track, the choreography and everything, did you guys work on it as a together? Was Rosie involved with that? Or? Um, so as far as like the, 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 the first single came out, we knew what the first single was going to be. And we worked on that. We worked on that hard. And that was the first thing we basically did together was that, that one, um, that one song, and then we worked on the other songs for that for the tour to get ready for tour. Um, but but that was our thing. So like they didn't involve themselves with that. Like that oh, was Uptown. me and Troy. Yeah, like well, Uptown yeah. at Up this point was um, just our record label. Okay. Um, but um, as far as they, yeah, they didn't. That that was us. Hev would come in when we had a routine together so we can incorporate him into the routine. Yeah. Um, but really all that stuff, the dancing and stuff was all, you know, trying, trying myself. Okay. I mean, one of the things that you know, we always have to think about Hev was the fact that he's, for his size, an amazing dancer. You no, know, not just with the Janet video, but did, back, did he gradually get better or was it he always, did he naturally always have that in him? We, we, yeah, he naturally had it. It was, it was just it. Like, you know, had played football, so he was light on his feet. He was fast on his feet for the most part. 
I don't know how good he was, but I know he played. <laughs> <laughs> but he played football, so he had to be a little something with his on his feet. Um, but Hev can move like, and then here we got these two little guys around. He got to keep up with us, you know. <laughs> and all we had to do really was sh just show him the chorus, give him the chorus. And sometimes, you know, he picked it up faster than others. Um, but it wasn't a lot of rehearsal together. You know, Hev was that good. He, he could come in, pick up the, the pick up a couple steps, and he got it. And he come in, incorporate, then he started doing his own thing. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. go heavy, go heavy, <laughs> go heavy. Yeah, so he could he could really move for a big guy. And the first album, so on, on on big time. So you've got we've got our own thing. You do somebody for me. I mean, that was another big 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 track. Which which. which did you have a favorite out of those two? Yes, I do. I was about to, it was, I was trying to get it out real quick because we got our own thing is my favorite because okay. of what it what it did for what it did for us. The video is incredible and how you know it was like we bought into this you know working with somebody else and how incredible she was and how I felt doing doing that video at the video how I felt with the song performing the song. I just felt incredible at all times. Um, somebody for me I didn't like. Oh. It was a big record for us. I just because it was it was more. It was and we actually worked with these other guys for that song, um, Stretch, Henry. I forget the name of their crew. I can't think of the name of their crew right now. But these is old school dope dancers. You've seen them in the Michael Jackson video. You've seen them with uh, um, these guys with a bunch of people back then. They did a lot of stuff um, and. It was like a club routine. Somebody for me was almost like a club routine, like a club dancing routine. And I, I didn't like club dancing that much. Okay. Like I just, I couldn't get with it. Like I, I couldn't, I couldn't get with it. And I'm sorry to all the club heads. I'm sorry <laughs> to all the club heads out there. You know. But visually, that was, you know, visually that was probably one of the better videos back in, and because I mean, I know we got our own thing was almost groundbreaking because it was Teddy at his height, and that was almost like. A showcase of 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 of. I remember. I, I always remember how they were. They said, "What is New Jack Swing?" And that was almost like, "This is what it is." Okay. Okay. That's dope. Um. So with um, we got our own thing. Uh, we worked with this uh director called David Kellogg. David Kellogg ended up doing a lot of stuff. Um, Ruth Carter was a stylist on that. So when you look at that video, there's a um, one of the best shots to me is the polka dot shot, right? And that wasn't me, that was Ruth Carter. And, and like, when those things happen, when I would come on and they would, they would always have another um, stylist around. Um, but I was always bringing my own stuff. I always brought, you know, three or four outfits for us. For us. Um, but that was one of the times I was like, yo, this shit look crazy. <laughs> These polka dots are crazy. And it just, it just was so dope. Went along with the set and everything and how everything yeah work together um and the way it was shot and everything it just looked great um that to me is my favorite that's my favorite video hands down heavy being a boy hands down favorite video yeah, yeah. of the of, but, of that of that album the um we ain't had nothing yet was and i boom, used it in the promo boom, recently when i listen to it now i can still remember listening to it back in the 1980s wow. it was just it was just my favorite track the way he just took his stuff and said, you ain't heard nothing yet. That yeah. sense of we're only just yeah. beginning. Yeah. When he when you guys are in the studio, I mean, here's with 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 
were you trying to pick up and learn on that side or were you just thinking, no, I'm just going to focus on the, the, the styling and, and, and that side or did you ever think about the... Well, um, so the, the gradual natural thing would, would have been for us and we talked about it. Um, <laughs> it's a story behind it. So we talked about it, uh, you know, the boys coming out with music and stuff like that. Um, coming out with an album and stuff like that. We never really got around to doing it, but it was definitely talks about it. Um, I want to think that album was the, you know, it was the height of our career. That was when Heavy D and the Boys kind of just went from here to here to all the way over there during big time. Um, because it, all everything was just clicking on all cylinders, you know? Um, us learning the business, knowing the business, us being comfortable with ourselves, with our image, everything like, you know, when it just, it felt like it was everything, everything was working. Um, so naturally that was the, the natural progression of it, but we just never got around to doing it. But again, like I, I you know, I stayed where, you know, we would come in and support and be in some sessions, but I wasn't in all the sessions, Yeah. you know. But if you had done the boys, what would, what would have made? What would you guys do? Would you then have to, to learn how to rap, or would you have sang? Or what oh would yeah, no. Nah, what would we learn? I can't sing a lick. <laughs> I would have had a, you know, I was I put, played around with some uh, rapping a little bit, you know, but I never. I, I did a couple of demos. I had a couple of demos. I made a couple of demos, um, but nothing that I wanted to put out, you know, nothing that I wanted to put out. But um, we would have been rapping. We'd have definitely been rapping, and it would have just been an extension of what we were doing, hmm. you know. But it would have just how, been us doing it. But how come you guys didn't then at least feature on 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 any of the tracks? It was just have it alone. Yeah, because we weren't we weren't in that place. We weren't even thinking in that place at that time. Okay. This was like, you know, big time is happening. Is 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 going where it's going, and you know, people were I don't want to say uh, groups were doing other things, but you seen you know it, you seen other people doing other stuff, and it was just something we thought about. But again, we never pursued it yet. We hadn't pursued it or anything. It was just talk. We were gonna we were gonna call ourselves boys to men. Before yes, boys. yes, 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 and yes. I remember um, joking around with Will Smith and um, uh, uh, Jeff on tour about stuff like that. Like like oh the boys, oh, we are gonna be men. <laughs> you know, like those are great guys too. Um, Fresh Prince and um, Jesse Jeff. Yeah, but uh, we we're going to be called Boys to Men. We we're going to call ourselves Boys to Men. Wow. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so when the, when, the, when the other guys came out with Boys to Men, did you think, man? It's like, Mike, yo, what's up with that, bro? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you go platinum with, with that big time. I mean, it, as I said, it took you to another level and stuff. Um, but along the way, you've got other people who were coming around. You had Pete Rock and you also had Al Al. I'll be sh Albert. I'll be sure. I'll be sure. Growing up, were they around when you were kids, or? Yeah. So um, Pete, like I said, lived four houses down from us. Troy and I, we lived on. Um, we lived uh, on the corner. Pete was four houses down, and Hev was seven houses down. So they were already. Pete was already always around. Um, and it's funny how, like you know. All of a sudden, because Pete was DJing at first, I think. He was DJing at first. And um, then he started doing beats. And he became nice at it, you know? And so then, what's the natural thing to do? You know, a piece of family. That's family, you know? So we just started working with them. 
you know. But um, then Al, uh, Al lived around the corner from Eddie. Okay. So they always were together doing stuff, you know. When I remember we would be uh, working on demos in the very beginning. Um, so we were around, like I said, but we weren't, I'm not a, I couldn't carry a tune if it was in a bag, you know, <laughs> if it was in a Prada bag, I couldn't carry it. I couldn't carry it too. Um, but, uh, so, so I was always around, he was always around, um, doing stuff with Eddie, working with Eddie. So it was only natural that he, 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 uh, came out, you know. Same thing with Pete. It was all right there. There were so many groups that came out of Mount Vernon at that time. I mean, I can't tell you all the name, but all the name all of them. But you know, in touch, um, oh, Jeff Red, yeah, oh. in touch, Jeff Red. Um, it's another group. I can't think of the name of the group. Um, but the YGs came out of Mount Vernon, Young Guns rather. Um, was this at the off the back of? What you have to do? Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, I like to think that um, in Westchester County, there wasn't really nothing happening, period, in Westchester County until we, we came out. Yeah. And then it's funny how that when you see someone else doing something, you realize that, okay, this is also possible for me too. Like yeah, I can yeah. do this as well, you know? And, and that's what happened. So much talent came out of that one little town. Um, and not just on music. Look at Puff. Puff came, Puff was right there, Mount Vernon. And he became, yeah, he's, well, he'll, he's from Harlem or his family's from Harlem, but he lived in Mount Vernon. Um, and Hev was the person that talked to Andre to get him, get him his internship at Uptown. Oh. Yeah. So, so all these things happen, <laughs> you know, because of, um, I want to say because of Heavy Dina Boys in some, some roundabout way for the most part, you know. Yeah. I mean, so 89. You guys have gone platinum the big time. Now Uptown is guy has joined in, you know, and, and they've gone big with Groove Me. Um, what is it like at Uptown? You know, from from were you noticing well, big office, lots of money coming in? Or what? What did you the know? budgets? The budgets got bigger. <laughs> <laughs> the budgets got bigger. The tour buses got better, and um, everything is working. You know what I'm saying? Um, the the vibe in New York City. So if I back up a little bit, we go to when we started, it was, um, you know, Def Jam was it. You had Run DMC, you had um, LL Cool J, you know, you had those guys and those were like, Def Jam was it, that was the label. But in the 90s, Uptown was the label. And the vibe in the street and the, everywhere was just, it was incredible. Um, it was just, it was just incredible and to be a part of that vibe. So now you got Heavy D and the boys, you got Guy, you got I'll Be Sure. Now you got Mary coming and then Jodeci came. And Father MC. <laughs> and Father MC. And like Father was putting out these hits. He's putting out <laughs> bangers. <laughs> banger after banger after banger. So you got all these groups and this is really taking taking over New York City because there was nobody else making that kind of noise, you know what I'm saying, in New York on, on that level. No label. So the parties were incredible. You know, you know, whatever party was happening, if it was a pool party at Andre's house, it was <laughs> lit. You know, if Eddie F had a pool party, you know, it was lit. Like, it was, it was just one of them things that 
it was a whole vibe, a whole movement that was happening in the 90s in New York City and Uptown Records was the, the center of all of that. Wow. And then yeah. for you guys, I mean, you, you, I mean, from seeing it grow from its infancy and seeing where it, it was now, I mean, I'm sure you guys were thinking, did, did it change financially for you guys, you know, as the albums were doing well? Did they yeah. then say, look, we need to make sure you guys are taken care of? Or is it mainly the tours that were, you were really getting your bread and butter? Well, well, the budgets, like I said, the budgets got bigger, so that helped out a little bit more. So now I'm not only now I'm not buying polyester, I'm buying leather. <laughs> you know, I'm getting stuff made in leather for us. You know, um, so but the the budgets got bigger for us. That that happened, and then touring. You know, I remember this vividly. Like um, we was working with one of those companies, ICM or, or Noby Walters or something at that point, and um, they kept coming up with us. With a bunch of like spot dates, like like club dates, mm-hmm. and I was like, "Yo, we're not doing club dates anymore. That's it. Club dates is over. I don't want to see another club date. If it's not tour, I'm not doing it. If it ain't a tour, I'm not doing it." And that really solidified our money, solidified us in in, in the um, you know, in the industry as far with our you know our um uh. A promotion um, company, um, ICM, that this was the standard from now on. We, this is what we're going to do from now on, and we're not going to do anything else. And that really, you know, made us, I don't want to say, it just made us bigger. It yeah. made us bigger because now we're performing in front of nothing less than 18,000, 15,000 maybe people, 15,000 and up. I think we yeah. probably went, did um, 100,000 in one place, but wow. I can't remember. Yeah, but everything other than nothing, we weren't doing any more club dates after that. Wow. And that changes now, your money a lot, too. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing that happened uh, at that point, you know, you had Bobby, you know, I think. Mm. You know, Bobby MCA, was, Bobby's, at, Bobby's at MCA. Yeah, but, but I mean, as a performer, I mean, at that time, in the 88, 89, he was probably one of the best dancers in the world. I mean, I mean, with, then he had his heart, Crazy. <laughs> heart and soul. What was your thoughts about? I love those know? guys. I thought they was dope. Like the see, I, I, I watched the video a couple of weeks ago just for shits and giggles, but he was dope. They was dope. I knew those guys. We would see. We 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 actually toured with Bobby, but this was before that album. This is okay. before he had them. They weren't yeah. on the road with him when we first did a show tour with him. I think it was King of Stage we toured with him, and um. But then her next album, he came out with prerogative and all that stuff. Yeah. Come on, man. You remember what that video was like when you saw it? Yeah. It yeah. was crazy. I've seen, I've seen his concerts and he's he's doing, you know, one leg up and he's moving backwards and he's <laughs> out dancing his dancers. I mean, I've yes. never seen anyone yes. move like that. I mean, for you guys as as you know, yourself and Troy as dancers, when you watch someone like Bobby, does it say, man, we need to up our game? Because he was taking it to another level back in that 89, 90. I wouldn't say that like I never we never I I, I don't want to think that anybody was competition for us in the sense that we were great we were the best or anything now I would never say that I think that we we were good at what we did and we did our thing and we did it well um um those guys did their thing and they do it well as well like I was fans of those guys like I I love to watch them dance I love how they you know put their shit together but our shit was together too though <laughs> you know what I'm saying like we were together too you know but um um, but they were dope. I'm like, like Scoob and Scrap. I love those guys. Um, a bunch of those dudes. I love them. You know, I thought they were dope. And um, MC Hammer's dances was crazy. Oh, 
yeah, Hammer was on another level. Yeah, it was, yeah. We toured with those guys too. Yeah, they had like he had like a small village on stage with him. Yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. but it, <laughs> yeah. it was mean, like a small village. But those guys you, got busy though. Did you enjoy the being on the road? I mean, was it fun or did you prefer being at home? What What was it like for you during oh, those? Man. Come on, man! I'm freaking <laughs> seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. We we out on on the road, unsupervised. But you know, it's you know, it's funny though, is that even though we were unsupervised, we were smart and we knew to put uh, guidelines, restrictions, limits on us on ourselves. Like we were smart enough to do that. You can't miss the bus. You can't be late to the bus. Um, you can't miss sound check can't be late to any of that stuff like no missing no interviews late to anything none of that stuff like we couldn't do that like we didn't do that stuff that wasn't you know we were always on time for that stuff it was you know we were um and that's the kind of thing that we, we put on ourselves the other thing we had is no one could leave the tour and go to someone's house or something like that so if we're on tour and you meet some girl or some guys or whatever you want to hang out and they're like yo call me back to my crib uh, nope can't do it can't do it. That's something you can't do. And um, oh man, I'm sorry, bro. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, who was this is a new phone. Who made the who not made the rules, but we did. We we did. We sat down and we talked about this, and we talked about it as a group. And these were the restrictions we had. We put on ourselves, you know. And and, and this again goes back to us managing ourselves. And um, so you never got um, an official manager. It was pretty much nah, never. No, we had. Uptown in the beginning, Andre, Uptown Records were the beginning. But after that, it was like, that was it. So you guys are touring and everything. And then, you know, the, the, the unfaithful accident with Troy. Mm -hmm. for, for you guys, I mean, on, on, on that day, I mean, how, what was the, did, I mean, I, I guess, the, you know, they're having footage and stuff, but was it, a routine that didn't go right or you know it's, it's it's strange that there's so many different stories out there of what happened and even what you're saying right now sounds like i don't know you have a, a way different story from what happened yeah, um no yeah yeah so i'll tell you right now what happened um we had a show it was in india india indiana and um we were finished the show and we were leaving um backstage and we were uh, it was um, Kid and Play, Salt and Pepper was on his show with us, Public Enemy, um, and I can't think who else. And um, one of the guys that was with, I want to say Kid and Play, Salt and Pepper, but they were all part of the same clique. Kid and Play and Salt and Pepper was part of the same clique. Yeah. Um, we were leaving backstage and we were going down a ramp backstage. And one of the guys pushed a like a uh, like a garbage can, like a like a a wheel a garbage can, like a wheelbarrow almost. Yeah. It was like a wheelbarrow, but it has a top on it. And you, like it's big though, it was big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, and he pushed it down the ramp, just playing around, just playing around. Um, but when he pushed it, it started coming towards us, and uh, is we were coming down a ramp and. Troy goes to jump up on the wall of the ramp, but misses it and goes over the side. And when we look down, it's like, you know, 
you know, 15, 20 feet down. And then, and, and that was it. He, he tried to get up. He couldn't get up. He called the ambulance and, you know, um, he, he didn't make it, you know, wow. um, he, he was alive for a while, but then he, he did make it, you know, um, but it was, you know, you hear all kinds of stories about it and what happened. Yeah. That's, that's basically what happened. You know, someone was horse playing, playing around and, um, he went to jump up on a, like a little ledge like, like that. And, but you couldn't see, we couldn't see what was over the side. Yeah. Like we, we couldn't know that it was, you know, that far up. And um, yeah, it was an accident, so, that accident. With, with the four of you all there at the same time, yourself, Eddie and Heaven? Yeah, all of us, all of us. It was a bunch of us. It was everybody who was leaving. We was actually walking to the bus, to get, okay. get on the bus to go to the next um, show. Wow, what, so what does that, how does that change the, the, the that, well, change everything for you guys it changes everything everything i mean um it changes like um everything everything feels different um i want to say we finished a couple more shows oh, you still and then on? yeah we did we did a couple more shows um but then that was it you know um that was it for that tour and um that was kind of i want to say wasn't it for me right away um but everything after that was harder for me you know this is my best friend this is my brother you know and it was all of our brothers but you know that was my best friend you know um and it was it was just it was difficult um but we we, we went on we went on to do peaceful journey um blue funk and number love um but it was very very different very different. What was your, how, what about your role? Because if you and Troy were, had your routines and your steps, how does that change what you then have to do on your own? So we ended up working with um, a lot of these ladies, uh, Big Les, uh, yeah, Fatima, okay. um, April, can't think of April's last name, and Marilyn. Maryland and these these people are all still around today doing yeah. stuff you know <laughs> they're all still around yeah she's still doing stuff um they became like and then we had the different girls we had Tonya she came in for a little bit this girl named Tonya um but at this point I'm kind of doing I want to say not at that point not right away um but I eventually started like managing heavy D you know um because um, Eddie was off doing Untouchables. This is a couple hours later, but um, after Peaceful Journey, um, but um, it just it just changed everything. Everything just like you know wasn't the same. You know, yeah. wasn't the same. I think we 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 learned the thing that we took from Troy's death was that we knew that life was really short and and tomorrow wasn't promised. And it was important for us at that point to tell each other every day or whenever we got off the phone with one another that you know i love you um and that was you know that's hard for to think about for young black men to tell another young black man that i love you and mean it you know what i'm saying yeah. um and it was it was something that that we took from it and we we practice it till today you know still yeah you know whenever i get off the phone with eddie i love you when i get off the phone with any of my boys i love you you know that's just what it is so i mean so you because did you then think, well, you can't go back on stage on your own? So you, they needed to bring in 
or, or does it did you just think you know i'm gonna did you think of quitting or what was well well not at that point um because visually it didn't it, it wouldn't be right like you know you just got me and heavy I, i'm dancing by myself that didn't look right so we we needed something else we needed the girls to come in and kind of you know and then i work work with those girls and um they was it was great it was great they were they were professionals they were great and they you know i won't say they came from the school of rosie but you know um they understood it they understood what it was and what it needed to be and um we did it we did it there's a you know a couple things out with me uh like mtv awards um uh i want to say uh arsenio hall but we did we did a bunch of stuff and it, it was nice it was pretty good yeah you know yeah but in your mind you're thinking okay i need to start reflecting on what's next was that when you start after because peaceful the peaceful journey was was another big album because you had yeah nothing but um not i uh, found love which uh, yeah. which was a big global hit um, yes um, yes big record and yeah even is it good to you so i mean the album actually i think that was the first cd i actually bought you know the other times you know you're, you're listening but this mm -hmm. is when i actually had a cd playing like okay i can i can buy this one yeah um but as i said when when, when that's when when you're doing that what are you contemplating about how do you go forward did you start thinking about being you said you were, did you start walking behind to help him yeah or? that was yeah that was later on that was like after um after nothing but love after number love i was like okay I'm good. Like this is it. I can't. I don't even want to come back out and do this again. Like, like each time was a was it, all of it was a task after that. You know what I'm saying? But this one last time, I just I couldn't I couldn't bring myself to, to to doing it over again. You know. And then I like I came. I went behind the scenes and started working. You know, behind the scenes and you know just the day to day stuff, whatever needed to be done, tour stuff, whatever, um, stuff like that. Yeah, that and I. Go ahead. No, I was just saying that just that was what got me ready to to move on and do other things, you know, just learning that. So because I know that I remember when you came out with Nothing But Love, it was announced that this would be the last album from Heavy and the Boys, Heavy D and the Boys. And I and I didn't know I think from from a fan I didn't know what was the, the reasons behind that. So did you have a discussion and say this is it, I can't do it again, or what was it's a great question. It's a great question. It makes, you know, I didn't think about this for a while, but it was a moment. It was a moment. And we were getting ready to put out, um, you know, um, Number Love. And we had, you know, you get ready to come out and you got to do promotions, right? And we got ready to do a promotional show at, um, it was Atlantic City for one of these conventions. In Atlantic City, it was a convention. And I got all of the clothes for everybody, everything was done. I rehearsed, knew the routine, we was getting ready to go. And I had my daughter with me, my oldest daughter with me too. And um, she was she was young, she was about three or four by that time. Um, and getting ready to go out and I'm dressed to go out. And I say, yo, I, I, I can't do this. Can't do this, I'm sorry, and I just can't do it, I, I can't go out. And um, he was like, what, word? And he was like, okay. And he just went out and did his thing. And that was the last, that was the last thing I did, you know, aside from the video or whatever. But after that point, it was, that was the point when that was going to be the last Heavy Dina Boys album, you know, at that but moment. 
but but was this before Nothing But Love? Because it was announced when the album was coming out that this was the last Heavy D and the Boys album. But yeah, I mean, um, we were getting ready to come out on the tour. It was it was probably prior to that. I mean, okay. it's probably prior to that. You know, you know that everything that you you hear isn't always the way it is. You know, like yeah, like, yeah. Because no, I think back listen to Video Soul. They said that this is the you know it was almost like the press release was this was the last. Heavy D and the Boys album, almost like a way of, well, you need to get it because it's going to be the last time they're going to yeah. come out as Heavy D and the Boys. So I know buying the album that that was, you guys were disbanding. Yeah, um, this this was the this was prior to, to being released. Like it was going to come out. Okay. It didn't come out yet. And we were doing the promotion for it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so, you, you know, you, you, the album, another big, you know, big album. I remember um, Black Coffee, and I didn't see you as Big Les was down you know, Black Coffee. That's another yeah. massive track. Then what did you start to do? Think, okay, you decide to make a switch to say, have let me man manage you, or what, what, how did that come about? Yeah, well, you know, it's just natural for me to just, because I know everything. You know, we all learned all of this together. So, uh, you know, we went on tour. We did the last tour uh, with... Um, who was toy? We toured with Keith Sweat, not Keith Sweat, I'm sorry. Um, R. Kelly actually, 12 play tour. It was a 12 play tour. That was like the last tour um, that we went on for the most part. I think that was the last tour. And um, I just got all the production together for it. Um, got, you know, the, the route for the tour and all that stuff. Worked with uh, the promoter. I think it was Al Heyman. Worked with the promoter to make sure, you know, our staging was right, our production was right. Um, had my brother bring uh, tribe the 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 production equipment down from New York, the stage the stage set from New York. Um, we had a bunch of guys from Mount Vernon working for working with us. Um, so it was just just kind of making sure all those things working firsthand with the 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 touring the agents, you know. So that became our responsibility, you know, which was it was natural because I already knew how to do it, you know, yeah. and I did all the clothes still. Still did all the clothes for that too as well. And so when the album, when the tour's finished and stuff, what do you turn yourself to start to try and do? Um, so naturally it's music because that's what I've been doing for most of my life. Like I may have had at that point two jobs outside of music. Like I was a worked at McDonald's, <laughs> McDonald's. and having our camp counselors. <laughs> um, I think I worked at GM for for a summer, and other than that, that was it. So uh, I think um, I started finding groups um, and trying to manage groups. Um, I, I didn't put anybody out, but I got a couple of little, you know, deals, um, development deals. Um, so I started doing that, and then um, I got into some promotions, and then I went to work at Motown for Andre Perel. <laughs> So yeah. how how <laughs> so I spoke to Jimmy about that, but uh, from your point of view, um, as a fan, I was like, I wasn't happy with the from uptown to Motown. I think one reason because you already had a hot label, and and I thought, in my head, I thought, was this because Bad Boy was doing bigger than it was becoming the hottest label, so he needed to. It was. It was the hottest label. Yeah, yeah. It, it, yeah, it was blown up, and I almost felt because I said I'm a fan looking in, thinking that oh, Uptown, because Jodeci had the whole Suge Knight and all that stuff, and so 
it almost felt as if you know what I've got a chance to go to a bigger label and 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 stuff and the whole from uptown to Motown. What was it for you? What did you, when he called you up? What was your thoughts and and? Well, when I when I heard it happening, because at the same time, Hev was also becoming the CEO of Uptown. At that same time, Ron, a little bit after that, he became the CEO of Uptown. But um, I, I called Andre. I found out about the move. I was like, yo, Dre, what's up? I want to go with you, you know? Eddie was already coming. And I said, look, bro, you know I know this inside and out. Man. We didn't start this from the bottom. We didn't figure all this out. So, you know. Like, who, who else you, on your team knows as much as I know? Like, I learned everything at the same speed you learned it, you know? And we learned it without no manual. So, what's up? So, he brought me in. Um, and, um, you know, being, a, being in the studio and understanding music and understanding the development of because Because now you learn and you, you're learning as you go along what a radio single is, what an album cut is. You know, you know how to do certain things in the studio from being in the studio for all these years now. Yeah. Um, so it was it was pretty easy for me for the most part. Um, and uh, I had a uh, the Whitehead Brothers. That was that was my group. Whitehead Brothers was my group. Um, I yeah, did I their last. I interviewed Kenny last week. Really nice. Guy oh really? Kenny, oh yeah. man, <laughs> Kenny interviewed me something else. But I'm like, why He's a wild boy, wild, talented man. Yes, yes. Um, so were you so responsible we, for, 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 for that the album that they came out with? And the last one, I think it was the last one on, on Motown. I, I, I worked on that album. I put a couple, did a couple songs with them on that album. Um, and, uh, <coughs> excuse me. Um, but my group was Shades. I brought out this group called Shades. I, I signed this group called Shades. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with them. They put a song out. Um, tell me, tell me your name. What car do you drive? Now, the yeah. funny thing about this song is that Total, did they put out the same song? The same track, I think it was. I'm not sure. My memory's shot. Remember that. <laughs> but um, this is where I met my my partner, um, um, my business partner, um, Shannon Allen, Shannon Williams at the time. So she's signing that's Shannon Allen now. Um, but she was part of this group called Shades. And um, so I put the group out, worked with the album. But then, like you were saying, that you wasn't pretty, you wasn't down with that whole Motown, Uptown to Motown thing. And what happened was there was a lot of hype about it, but there was no product, nothing was producing. Nobody was producing anything out of it. A lot of money spent. And it was no nothing was really coming out of it, you know. It was just a lot of money being spent for the most part, um, and and maybe you know maybe it was a, a competition thing, but not a competition thing, you know, because Puffy was doing so great, and Andre wanted to come out and just you know do it all over again, I guess for the most part, um, but it didn't really it didn't pop as as well as we wanted it to pop, yeah. So. Now, I think there are two sides to this. The first is that you've got your, you know, your best, your guy you grew up with running uptown, and but you decide to go to Motown. Did Hev not say, come on, I need you here because you've been managing You know, you know what? He, he didn't say it. I'm going to just keep it 100 to you. He didn't say it. 
I don't know why. And, and, you know, this is one of the questions I never even asked him, but I was cool where I was at with Andre. I was cool because me and Eddie were there, you know, Eddie and I were there, you know, so I was cool. You know, um, I was working and I, and I was doing pretty good for the most part, you know. Um, so I don't know. I couldn't answer that question. What did you learn yeah. in Motown? How long were you guys there for before? I was there for about a year or so, maybe a little bit more than a year before I left. Um, well, actually, I got fired. <laughs> Andre had spent so much money, he had to now you can't keep everybody. Now people got to go because it's money being spent, checks in. So then people gradually started uh, leaving, going, whatever. Um, but I learned a lot there. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about myself, you know. Um, you know, working in a group, inside of a group, and you're kind of like the back guy. And, and I'm a humble person. We, we're all humble people. And there's no need for me to, to, to toot my own horn. I know what I've done. I know what I do. I know who I am. I, I know my work. But you don't really know it all the time when you got four other guys with you. It isn't until you by yourself and you stand on your own that you realize how dope you are. You know what I'm saying? You are. Um, collectively, collectively, as a group, we were dope. You know, um, What I did for the group, the imaging and the branding of the group, that was dope. But who, who, thought, who thought that or who knew that? And I didn't, I didn't think like that. I just thought that this is what I needed to do because this is what I had always done for yeah. the group. And, and what, it, you know, people have jobs, you know, specific jobs for that now. <laughs> you yeah, know, yeah, people yeah. get hired as a stylist now. Like yeah. there was no stylist back then, you know? Um, so, um, you know, later on down the line, you, you realize how dope you are when you actually, you know, by yourself standing there. And you're creating stuff. Yeah, and, so. Yeah, so, I mean, I think the, the Motown stuff, it, you know, it, as I said, was disappointing for us seeing that happen. So, but when when you leave Motown, what hap what, what do you end up doing? Um, so I left Motown and um, I got into some promotions, started doing promotions. Um, early on, I had brought my, I don't say I brought my brother in, but I, helped him get in and he started, my brother, his name is Greg Baker. He worked at um, Universal, DreamWorks, Sony. And um, so I started working with him, helping him with his promotions. Um, I actually started doing some, I created a promotion team myself. Um, I went out, I worked with Def Jam um, and I went on, um, what is it called? The Family Value Store. So I brought a bunch of guys out. We did promotions on the road with them. Um, so I did a few things and then I, I felt like I needed to get away from music altogether. You know, I felt like, uh, it, it, it wasn't serving the same thing it served early on for me. Um, I felt like there were things happening and people doing things for money that, you know, you just shouldn't do for money, you know, um, you do this because you love it, you know, um, but you shouldn't screw over people or mess over people and you know when you get older you start seeing a lot of those things you know and um i didn't like it i didn't like it so i got completely away from music um and i didn't do anything for a little bit i didn't do anything for a little bit and then i started uh coaching my nephew's baseball team and i really loved working with kids like I found, I found a real joy out that, you know, you teach a kid 
how to uh, stand up at the plate, how to hold a bat, how to swing a bat, and what to swing at and what not to swing at. And in a game situation, you watch that kid, he hits the ball, he does everything you taught him to do, and he hits the ball, and you're on first base, base as the first base coach, and he has a, a, a smile on his face from ear to ear. You know that that is something you did. You did that for this kid. And whether he remembers you 20 years from now, I know that this moment was special, and it was special because I taught him how to do something, and he did it, and he's happy now. So I started working with kids, and I did that. Um, I actually worked in a group home for a little bit. Um, I was a counselor in a group home for a little while. Wow. And then I became an administrator, and I kind of ran the facility. Um, I did that for a little bit. And then um, I moved on to working with disabled adults. Um, and I ran a house for disabled adults for a little while. And again, this is one of those times where, you know, you, you're in a group, and you, now you're on your own kind of, and you're doing your own thing. And you see how you're moving up constantly and things are happening because of something that you're doing and you have um, helped people and you, you, you're helping people and um, you realize how great you are. Like, so that's what I learned from that. Like, you know, you can do it yourself, G. Like, you, you're good. And, and not only are you good, you're great. And things, the things that you're doing for other people is great as well. Like, you know, you're making, uh, you're being effective in, in someone's life and making a difference in someone's life. So that became self-rewarding, rewarding and itself. And, it, you know, I felt great. I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about people. Um, and um, I learned the skill of managing people, you know, and dealing with people day to day and how, how to deal with people. And it seems almost a reflection of what you were doing in the role you took on when you were with, you know, with the group where, you know, making sure everyone was on point and stuff. But then it's less, it seems more rewarding, but doesn't, it seems less glamorous when, you know, yeah. you get the, the big, the music, the money and, yes, and all that. Yes, stuff. yes. Were you, and then, and yeah, I guess seeing Eddie was still doing his stuff and, and, and Heavy was still doing stuff, but you, you didn't miss it and you enjoyed and, and you were fine with where you were? Yeah, because like I said, it was my decision. And, and what I learned about myself and what I was learning and what I was doing, I was helping other people. You know, um, one thing about a troubled kid, they want to have, you need to have consistency and, you know, you need to be able to be able to trust, you know. Um, without those things, you can't, a kid can't, that's having a hard time, can't really, you know, navigate when, when they can't trust a person. So I became that solid person. Like, wow. you know, if I had to deal with a kid, they knew what they were gonna get for me. They knew what they weren't gonna get for me. And they knew every time it was gonna be the same thing. You know, if you act up, this is what you're gonna get. But if you do right, this is what you're gonna get. And it was, it was, it was great because then they can trust you. And then if sometimes a kid is in crisis or having a hard time, I can talk to them and tell them the truth. And they get it and they, they act accordingly, you know, but, but it was, it was a different kind of reward, yeah. you know, much different. And, uh, and it could be from week to week. You could see a change in a kid yeah. that is having a hard time. And then two weeks later, after you didn't talk to them and had some time with them and now you see them doing better, you know, that it's because you were, you know, effective in, in, in their treatment or, or how you spoke to them or how you handled them. 
dealt with them. Did they know that you, did they know your background? Did they know you were? They not were, at first, not at first, not at first. Did, you know, one of the counselors is saying, you know, he was da 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 da. <laughs> and then they'd play a video or something and be like, you know, but it's all a humbling thing. You know, it's all very humbling. And, and I like to say that, you know, we were always humble, like heavy Dina boys. We didn't have security. We weren't like a big entourage. Like we were just cool dudes that got along with everybody and that's just who we were so you know me being able to humble myself and do something different outside of the business with people that have seen me doing things and you know you know imitated wanted to look like us or wanted to dance like us yeah it was it was whatever like you know i had to take care of my family and to do that so it was it was okay and 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 the, the job i was doing was rewarding you know, it was rewarding. So, yeah. I mean, is, is, are you still in that environment now or? No. Well, so like I was saying to you that um, um the group I signed, Shades, uh, back in 95, I think it was, um, one of the girls in the group's name was Shannon Williams. And what I took from Shannon Williams at that time was she was a hard worker. She was one of the people that would be in the studio and she had songs that she had written, but she would be in there really trying to, uh, uh, to work and, and show her talents as a writer. And I really, you know, and I, that like, okay, you can write. So I had a guy that, uh, his name is Delight. He worked with Kenny, Kenny Whitehead. Okay. Um, they, they all worked together. Kenny Whitehead and Delight, Delight Allenby. Um, Allenby, 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 I think it is. Um, but he's great. He did Janet Jackson and Buster Rhymes. He won a uh, he did a, he won a Grammy for that. He did wow. Silk. He did LSG. Um, and my friend Billy Lawrence. I don't know if you heard of Billy Lawrence, but Billy Lawrence was an incredible singer writer on Electra back in the days with Sylvia Rome. Anyway, these are all the people that I was working with, and I brought together to work on this Shades album. But Shannon was incredible. Like she could her her writing was incredible, but she just had melodies and everything but i needed somebody to bring those melodies to light and that's why i looked to delight for um and he came he brought out um the melodies to, to her songs but it was really her work ethic and who she was as a person i really uh i gravitated to that and um we still work together today this is 95 this is 2000 this is 2021 and we've been working together since then you know um we we uh started a independent label we put an artist out by the name of link um actually i'm gonna send him your way as well yeah, he's okay. an incredible artist he's an incredible artist um he wrote the song him and delight wrote the song my body for lsg they wrote that song you he's in the hook you can hear his voice in the hook yeah because wow. it was his song at first but they sold the song to lsg which was a, a, a major big record yeah, for yeah, them yeah. um so we put his album out and i want to say 2007 or something like that um and then we put another album out project out a few years after that uh called the goonies sorry bro yeah, it's fine. <laughs> i'm sorry yeah, it's fine. so um yeah so we put the goonies out and um then we started working on a full show called the uh, pre-game mail and that um basically was us 
talking to athletes about what their pregame was. What did you do? What did you do to start your day this morning? That's your pregame. How did you get yourself to get out and get going? What what fuels your body? So we had a, a talk show up in Boston, um, and it was um, pretty good. It was pretty good. We did a couple episodes of that. Um, but then we started talking about what's next. And um, so her husband is Ray Allen. Um, and they're uh, NBA 2000, yeah, NBA okay. star Ray Allen, all-time leading uh, three-point shooter, um, two-time NBA winner, um, also a gold medal winner. It's a great guy, great guy. Um, so they, their son, Walker, which is their middle child, second son, um, he came down with type 1 diabetes um, during the NBA finals. Wow. Um, yeah, they were playing against, uh, I think, the Lakers at that time. Anyway, so, you know, he came down with type 1 diabetes, and that changed the light, you know. So one day she's on the way somewhere, and, you know, the boy's in the car. She had two sons in the car, but Walker's uh, levels were low, and he needed some food. So she drives around looking for food, and she couldn't find anywhere. Everything is like McDonald's, Taco Bell, but, you know, you got a son with type 1 diabetes. You don't want to feed your son that. Like, that's not food. Like, so she went to a restaurant um, where they made her some food and she took it home and she was just terribly upset by that. So from that point, uh, we started talking about starting a restaurant and that's what we have now. It's called the restaurant. Our restaurant is called Grown. Um, it's an organic fast food restaurant where wow. it has a drive-through. You can walk up and get a real meal uh, for, you know, a reasonable price for the most part. Um, but it's real food. And every single ingredient we use is organic. Um, we have a drive-through. We make all of our sauces, dressings, marinades, and sauces. So it's really fresh. Um, and um, we, we opened, I want to say, five, five years ago now. Or going on five years in March. It'll be five years in March. And it's doing pretty good. You know, we opened, um, we opened one in Connecticut. We opened one in um, um, Orlando. We have a, a location in Hard Rock Stadium where um, the Dolphins play at. Wow. Um, right now we have our South, South Miami location and we're looking to open another location on um, South Beach in, in the next couple of months. Um, but since, since COVID, we had to close two of the stores. Okay. So, which is, is fine. And you know. so I, I guess finally, so you're no longer do, working with the adults and the kids. So this is where you're investing no, a lot. This of is where I'm at now. Yeah. Um, so that, that was, I did that, you know, maybe, you know, seven years ago, maybe, but I've been here for six years and this is, this, I came to Florida just for that, to, to oh, open grown. Okay. Okay. Yeah, down here in sunny Miami. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the I sun's the, going down now. Yeah, the sun's going down. I think the final part, I, I guess, um, we didn't get to, to, to just talk finally about Heavy. I mean, as fans, we see him as this lovable guy. But, you know, and, and it saddened a lot of us that he passed because he was always, he always seemed like, he always seemed like everyone's best friend. Um, yeah. How soon, I mean, just before he, he, he passed, um, had you seen him and spoken to him? Because I know you said you had this thing about making sure you guys were always talking and, and giving you guys um, love, knowing that, look, you just don't know about tomorrow. Yeah, um, so, was, so, yeah, we talked and um, 
Let's just try to get this situation together really quick, if I could. I don't know if you can see me still. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah. So we um. Yeah, we would talk. We would talk, and the real upsetting thing to me, for me, is that this is another thing I learned. Like when you when you want to do something, you want to see somebody, make sure you do it. Just do it. You know, don't put it off. Don't say, okay, I'm gonna do it, and then don't do it. Just do it. Cause that was one of the things that I was supposed to do. I was supposed to go out and see him. Um, and we had talked about it for a while, like a year or two years talking about just going to hang out and just, you know, cause at this point our relationship was different. Um, he had, he had a daughter at this time, by this time. And um, my oldest daughter, I had her when I was like 20 years old. So she was around the whole time. And he, he gave me one of the greatest compliments I could ever think he, he he ever gave me was that I learned how to be a good father from you. And I can't, I can't, I can't, I'm going to get upset if I keep talking about it, but he learned it. He, he said that, that, you know, that was a great compliment. And so our conversations right before he passed were, you know, those years before he passed were about just real stuff, just regular stuff, regular stuff, relationships, you know, what's going on with him, his girl, or what's going on with me and mine. And, you know, what's going on with our kids and stuff like that. Like, they became even even better, a, a, a different kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, I'm sad that I didn't get to see him before he passed. You know, yeah. and I, we had made, made plans to do it. I talked about doing it. I just not got never got around to doing it. Yeah, but you still, but knowing that you're still, you and Eddie still keep in touch more so. Yeah, we still talk. I talked to Eddie the other day. You know, he's talking about crypto and trying to figure ways to get. <laughs> You know, get me involved with different uh, money things and, you know, talking about crypto and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's, what what I, I, I want to say before I go is that, um, like, it's this young lady, TN07, she's on Instagram. I don't know this, I don't know this lady, but she is a, you know, wonderful lady because she is keeping, you know, this 90s mu- music. You guys are keeping it alive. And I want to, I want to say thank you for that. Um, I like to think that it's, it was a golden era in hip hop. Uh, you know, people might argue and say that there was another golden era before, but '90s was truly it. You know, yeah. for the most part, um, and they're keeping our music alive. And I've noticed that I I see things that I've never seen before on us, and it makes me. You know, I wanted to do a documentary on us, but it really makes me want to do it. So I just created an email. My well, my daughter did. It's called Heavy D dot the boys at gmail.com, right? That's heavy D dot the boys at gmail.com. And what I want to do is see if people can send me pictures, testimonials. If it was something that, you know, heavy D and the boys did for you guys or uh, changed in your lives or did anything, you know, I would love to hear it and hopefully make you a part of our, our documentary. Uh, whenever I get around to, you know, get everything together, and I want to do it. Yeah. So, no, I'll, yeah. I'll be sure to put put that out. And no, she is. Um, yeah, I know she's based out in Holland, and 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 yeah, uh, yeah really big into um, into in, into intro and heavy D and, and the boys and and the whole new jacks movement. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, my, yeah, my props to her. And I know that for my channel, you know, we've got thousands of subscribers who are solely into the 90s so if i went and start to in a interview rihanna 
it's not going to get anyone watching it because they want to hear <laughs> the stories behind back yes. in the, you know the back in the days and stuff okay awesome i i always end my shows by asking every guest like if you were stuck in an elevator and you were told it would take a two or three hours and they said what movie can we put on for you to watch while we get you out what would you request oh jeez uh, there's, a, there's a few movies that just came to my mind. Uh, oh, man. I, I, I don't know. I don't know, man. I love movies. Like, yeah. I love old movies. I love westerns. I love um, sci-fi. Um, I want to say something stupid. Well, not stupid. It's not going to be stupid, but it's like, the first thing that really comes to my mind is this movie called Dune. I don't know if you've ever heard it or, or saw it before. It's called Dune. It's an old movie. It's from the, it's from the, I want to say eighties maybe. Okay. But look it up. It's a pretty, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. There's some sci-fi kind of like. Yeah, I think the name yeah. it comes familiar, but uh, yeah. It's called but, Dune. D u d u n e. Yeah, I think. Okay, I think I might have yeah. seen it, but I will look that up. <laughs> look it up. Or yeah, a movie called Legend. A movie called Legend with Tom Cruise in it. <laughs> oh, okay. 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 The movie is about, um, it's about good and evil. It's about good and evil and how, you know, love, love conquers everything. Okay. You know, that's the, that's the gist of the movie the for the most okay. part. Yeah. Okay. I'll look that up. And then finally, though, they're about to put the movie, but they say, look, we'll play a song before the movie starts. What song would you request to listen to? Well, put number love, because that was the theme of our career. When you look at just about all of the songs, it was about love and about, and, and I believe that love conquers all, you know, so number love. Okay. Yeah, no, that, 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 as I said, that was a really different album um, from the other, the other side, but it, it did portray a, a lot, a lot of that. I mean, do you, do you miss the dancing and the performing and the whole that stuff at all? Um, I did it. I did it. I did it well and did it great. And I did it at a, at its highest stage. Like at like, you know, I've been on TV, live TV, and everything. Um, in Living Color, um, um, MTV, Grammy, Living Legends. Like we've done a lot of stuff. Um, Soul Train, um, BT. Like we've done a lot, and I I did it. You know, right now I got a mean two step for whoever want to dance with me. I got a mean two step. <laughs> okay. You know, yeah. Okay. I mean, I have to appreciate you know the the time. I it normally, yeah, that's that's one of the things why I don't do it live. It's just because it just allows the flexibility and 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 journey. But it's been it's been fascinating hearing your journey and and your stuff. It's been you and know. I want to say thank you so much. Like, so you were the first like interview outside of the country that we've done you were the first interview outside of the country that we've done in years no one's heard the story we've been overseas to england one time in our beginning of our career and we never went back over there and we stayed there for 30 days toured all through england and wales whatever and um th these moments that we spoke about are very precious to me and they mean a lot to me. And because this time and this era means so much to you, I was willing to share it with you. So I appreciate you. Um, it's gonna probably open the door for a lot more uh, 
interviews with from people with people overseas. So I just want to thank you and I appreciate you for keeping this music alive and this Nani music alive and having me on your show. Oh goodness, you know I've it, when you agreed to come on, I was I was doing cartwheels. And I think the only reason <laughs> the, the promotional video I put out today was to make sure you don't forget. <laughs> I almost try to put you on the spot. Like, see this? No. Everyone's like, wow, look what's going on. I said, look, just in case yeah. he backs out. He, he, that's the reason why I, I woke up this morning and said, how do I get him to rem remember the interview? So I came up with a video quickly and put it out there. Nah, I, I thought about it uh, since the, since we talked about it first. I chatted, uh, chatted about it. Um, and again, it's like one of those things that it's it's not hard for me to share, but um, it's hard for me to share, you know, well, because it's so personal, you know yeah. what I'm saying? I'm a humble person. Uh, I'm not a private person, but I'm a private person. And these are precious moments to me that I'm sharing with you in times and stuff like that. So I'm funny about that. I'm, you yeah. know, even, even as have passed, you know, people were wanting to do this and wanting to do that. And some things I knew have wouldn't do. You know, so I didn't do it, you know, or people were opportunistic about doing these things. And, you know, to me, it's not about, you know, capitalizing on a moment. It's about telling a real story and true story. That's why a lot of stories out there aren't real and true. Um, or, you know, they're not true. A lot of them aren't true is because, you know, they just, the way they went about doing it and the people that they have speaking about it, some of them, you know, but keep it positive. And like I said, I appreciate you. And I yeah. appreciate you keep, keeping our music alive and having me on today. Yeah. Thanks for watching. Please remember to subscribe to the channel, but most importantly, to press the notification bell so that you can be notified when we do have a new interview. Loads to come, but thanks a lot for watching.